Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Scott Podcast, and today I'm joined by Graham McCormick. Graham, how are we? Fantastic, Scott. And we're also joined by Matthew Templeton. Matthew, how are we? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And last but not least, we're joined by Chris Loner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, good, thanks. So, boys, it was a disappointing night for Rangers, as Rangers' European campaign came to an end. Matt, I'll start with you. Rangers lost 4-1 to Bayer Leverkusen on aggregate. And what was your thoughts on the performance? Uh, Bayer Leverkusen has to be said, what a fantastic team they are. Yeah, no, you can tell they're a good team, but I think we weren't terrible by any means, we just weren't good. Like, there's a lot of people like missing tonight, didn't really turn up, but they didn't. They had a lot of possession, but they didn't exactly clear us off the park. It was just kind of, from a lot of the time, I think it was a pretty even game, um, but you could just tell they had the better quality throughout, and that, that showed over the two legs. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your thoughts in Rangers team selection? Uh, Barker started, that was a big surprise for me personally. I couldn't get my head around that at all. To be honest, it wasn't a surprise for me because um, Barker has started a few times in Europe and he started against Porto um, and he's had a good pre-season. I think Junior just wanted to have some taste in the team so it wasn't a surprise to me. And plus Hadji was pretty poor against Aberdeen. So um, I can I can see why people were surprised, but for me, I wasn't too surprised by it. Obviously, looking back at the game, Barker did not have a good game whatsoever. I thought he had good moments. I thought. Think so? in the first half, I thought. Yeah, I think in the first half he had a good few moments. He was trying to drive with the ball, trying to use his pace, um, and he won a few a few free kicks and that. But um, he didn't like he didn't, he didn't have like a spectacular unknown performance. But I thought until he got subbed off, it was angry. Was alright. Done decent enough. See, for me, mate, like, going into that game, I thought, right, Rangers have nothing to lose. We may as well just go for it, right? Because in order for us to go through, we had to beat Leverkusen by three goals. So I thought, you know what, just go for it. Just right from get the get go, just full, full on out attack. And that's why I was baffled when I seen Barker start. And at half time, that's when I was uh, I was saying to Eve, I was actually I was watching the game with, I was like, Eve, we need to bring on Hadji. Like, and then, obviously, he did bring on Hadji, but at that point, it was too little too late because Leverkusen did get that goal and that's what really killed uh, the Rangers players' hopes at that point. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think changes were needed at half-time because, like I said, we weren't terrible, but I think we weren't creating a lot of chances either. Um, I would have probably... Yeah, probably would have taken Parker off as well because he probably was... The, or maybe, maybe I would have taken off Morelis if there was an option there. Because I think he was absolutely poor throughout the game. Um, Hadji came on, didn't really do much of a difference, which I was hoping for. But I think you've also got to remember as well, it was absolutely boiling over there. I think it was like over 30 degrees or something. And it was like an oven in there, so I think that didn't help the players with it energy-wise as well. Yeah, mate, you know it was absolutely boiling when Stevie G was not wearing a suit. <laughs> I know, like, he's always wearing a suit no matter what, but yeah, you could tell like, he was absolutely roasting. Uh, like what? So it was a good. It's really good to see Halander back in the team tonight, mate. I thought he was our best player, in my opinion. No, definitely. I've said I've said it before. I'll say it again. He is our best defender, and he proved that again tonight for me. I think him and Goldson work really well together. I think um, Halander. He's not got the pace, but I think he's got good awareness, like positioning wise, and he made a good few blocks and um, Goldson as well. Like looked good in the ball. So I think those two the partnership had to go forward going forward but yeah I think Alander you can't argue with him being man of the match How do you think our midfield was tonight mate? Um, the only midfielder I would give pass marks to not because I absolutely love him but Ryan Jack I thought Ryan, Jack, Ryan Jack's passing tonight was quite tidy um, Davis 
I thought Davis is non-existent. I, I think that was one of the worst games I've seen Stephen Davis have in a long time. Even though he was up against top of opposition, but he was not at the races whatsoever tonight. No, I think um, Davis is first. I think since about New Year, I think we've seen that he's, he's just not got the legs anymore. Um, I thought Aribo, I thought Aribo played well. I thought he done well, good in the ball. Um, I think it was towards the end he nearly kind of replicated his kind of signature goal where he jinxed his past a few players. Um, I thought he would done well, but yeah, Davis was just. I think like I said I think he's past. I think he's more of an impact player now, more of a squad player in my opinion. Um, McGregor, he made a good few saves tonight. I think he kept. Well, I think he kept it one 0 mate, because I think that was one going on about three or four, in my opinion. Because Leverkusen at times it was an absolute breeze for them. Yeah, I think uh, they, a lot of things they missed chances, like um, just on the run. I think Hagrid just kind of in the first half he was through and goal and just um, put it wide. Um, but yeah, McGregor definitely had some key saves. And I think. One good, good save I remember was, I think it was the first half where um, he saved with his left leg and went down fast to get it. Um, great save from him. Um, but no, I think McGregor or Hollander were our best players, definitely. Um, James Tavenier, uh, for the goal, do you think he could have done better? Yeah, I think he could have done better, but I don't want to like, blame one person for it because, like, like you said, um, you're creating chances um, quite a lot. Like Not every other minute, but I think every... So often they were creating like clear cut chances, um, so it was going to come eventually. Yes, he could have done better, but I don't think you can totally blame him for us conceding. Leverkusen's goal, mate, it was phenomenal, wasn't it? It was like I no keeper could have saved that in my opinion. It was an absolute bullet, a fantastic finish uh, from Dubai. It was. Um, it, it, you can compare it to um, Van Persie. I heard the commentator saying, and I can kind of see his movement and the finish. It was an excellent touch um, from him. Then he just absolutely smashed it into the. And to me, nothing like you said, no keeper in the world would save that, especially not McGregor. Um, and obviously the standout man for me in the Leverkusen team was Halberts. What a player that boy is, mate. And as you know, I'm a Chelsea man. I would love to see him at Chelsea uh, next season. Yeah, no, he's, he's a fantastic player. I mean, I don't, I don't know, know if he's necessarily need him. Like, obviously, Werner's come in, Zach is in, uh, you've, got Pulisic, you've got a lot of attacking players. Um, so... I don't think you need him, but yeah, he would make a great addition to, to any Premier League team for that matter. So, let's speak about the, the elephant in the room, Matt. Alfredo Morelos, he had an absolute shocker tonight. Um, he's, he was non-existent. Um, any time he, 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 he had the ball in the final third, he lost possession. I hate saying this about him because I love him, but he looked uninterested. And I thought the Gerard's comments after the game were very telling, where he said, Alfredo Morelos's head is gone. Um, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think he, like you say, I think he looked uninterested. His, his touch was awful. He, he couldn't hold up the ball. Like we're used to, McGregor, uh, we're used to Morelos holding up the ball. Um, he's got that raw power, that raw strength. But he just, I didn't look interested. He didn't, like you said, like his head. Gerard said his head's gone. Um, and my worry is, like, obviously he starts to play like that. Well, he'll maybe back off on a deal, but I think a deal is pretty much going to happen. But um, no, I think he's played his last game for Rangers. I think. Um, I thought it was really telling when Morelos got subbed off, him and Tavenier uh, got subbed off at the same time, and Gerard shook uh, Tavenier's hand but completely ignored Morelos. So do you think there might be a bit of friction between the, the, the gaffer and uh, Morelos right now? I mean, possibly. Um, it's, it's hard to tell from the outside looking in. Um, you don't really know these things, but I wouldn't say there's friction necessarily. I just think Morelos is just kind of not working as hard as he, as he could be on the pitch. 
and maybe in training as well, and that, that's annoyed Gerard because he wants obviously the best out of their players, no matter what their situation is, whether the team's coming in front of them or not. Um, so I think he's more disappointed in the way he's performing rather than them actually falling out. If that makes sense. If I'm being honest, mate, I'm not too disappointed at, at that result tonight because going into that game, we honestly it would have took a miracle to win that. You know, because they're a top, top side by Leverkusen. And I think we just wanted a decent performance or not to get scudded, you know. Um, but it's, there's no shame in losing to a top side like, top side like that, Matt. No, definitely not. And obviously, um, they're one of the favourites for the competition, probably up there with, like, Wolves or something. So, I think um, they're, like I said, top, top side, you know. They'll, um, they'll be competing again next season in the Bundesliga. Um, so just there's no shame in that. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, touching on what you said about Golson earlier on about Hollander and Golson, they do seem to work well. And our only real clear cut chance that came for us tonight was uh, Golson's header that uh, got cleared off the line. And um, apart from that, maybe created nothing <laughs> except that uh, moment. Yeah, no, I think we had some good possession at times without doing much with it. Um, the period in the first half, we had the ball for like five minutes or so, kind of passing it about. Um, not doing much, um, but yeah, I was you said that was only a clear cut chance of the game, and it was a good header from Goldson, but I think it was pretty easy for the defender to pull it away and put off the line. So before uh, I uh, speak to Graham here about uh, Leverkusen, because he's a massive Leverkusen fan, uh, Matt, I think we should be we should definitely be proud of the European campaign that we had, coming from the first round of the Europa League and making the last sixteen, unbelievable. A hundred percent. I think it was me and you went to. Did we go to St. Joseph's? And that, feel, that feels like an absolute age ago. I know, mate. It seems like three years ago. <laughs> it does. It seems like an age ago. And over a year ago, we started this campaign. We got to the last 16, you know, a couple of seasons ago. We are getting put out in the first round by the progress leader con. So I think it's a massive achievement for us. And hopefully we can do the game and do it again this season. What was your favourite moment uh, in the European campaign? Uh, it's got to be Braga and Hadji. There was a good few, mate. There was a good few. Um, I would say, oh man, I would need to go with Braga. Um, I would need to go. I'd need to go with Braga. And my second one would be against Leeds Warsaw. Even though that we we didn't make the group stage at that point, but that's what got us into the group stage. And it was just the manner in which we done it, where Mariela scored at the last minute, and it made it even sweeter because Arthur Boric was in, in the Leeds Warsaw uh, section, and he was giving it this and that, and then. What a way to send them out! Yeah, no, that was that was def- that was definitely up there for me as well. But I, I would say I would say Braga edged up. Yeah, there was a lot of great moments. Um, I, like it, like it was a tough group we got as well, mate. And I, I don't think a lot of people gave us a real chance, and we managed to get through. No, it was, it was a really hard group, you know. Um, Porto, they are obviously a very well massive known team, massive team. Um, they won the Portuguese league this season, mate. <laughs> They won the Portuguese league exactly. Um, Firenord, they're a classy side, young boys. You know they're good in uh, Switzerland. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of big teams in there, but we managed to managed to get through. And like I think we only lost once in the group, which is a good achievement as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that was uh, young boys away, and yeah. beating Porto at home, then getting a draw against Porto away. That's brilliant. That is really good, and also beating Firenord at home and then drawing uh, away from them as well. But. Yeah, um, one last wee thing, sorry, I'm, yeah, keep going on here, but Alfredo Morelos, we could not have done it without him, and see when he eventually does go, um, it'll be a sad day, but he would go with uh, all the best wishes from me, and I think the majority of Rangers fans, 
Um, and I do think it is likely he will be off, but we like that's the thing. He should only go if uh, Leo match uh, the asking price that we want, which is twenty million. Yeah, from what I've heard, I think they're they're willing to do that. Um, so I, th- I think he is off. Like I said, he'll go he'll go for my best wishes as well. Just wish he wish he maybe won a trophy with us. But um, you know, we'll get good money for him, and hopefully the new new signings will will be good in replacements. Uh, so Graham, on Leverkusen, do you think uh, you can actually go on and win the Europa League? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, an extremely talented team got to the final of uh, the Deutsche Pro. So sorry about that, guys. Uh, some technical technical difficulties there. So Graham, continue what you were saying there. Um, Bayer Leverkusen, do you think they can win Europa League? <laughs> uh, it's definitely possible, I think. You know, I'd say Man United are the favourites, maybe Inter closely after that, but uh, there's no reason why they can't. They're a very talented squad, got to the final of the German Cup. So, I mean, we'll see, but I mean, I hope so. Do you, uh, were you disappointed in Leverkusen's form uh, after the, the lockdown? Um, it was pretty up and down. Like, we had some very good performances, some good spells, um, Um, so Chris, I'll come to you. Um, sorry, I haven't came to you yet, mate. Just I had to speak to Matt there for and just dissect the game. Um, so what? So what's your overall thoughts on uh, Rangers' European campaign and getting to the last sixteen? Do you think they've done Scottish football very proud? Oh yeah, definitely. They can definitely be proud of their run. Obviously, for them, they've got the bragging rights over Celtic, doing one better than them going around further, and it'll do wonders for the Scottish coefficient in years to come. I see European football is it not back? Uh, well, for this season's European football is it not uh, in like three weeks' time or so? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then and so how does it work again? So Chris, uh, Rangers and Celtic will be starting off. Um, obviously Celtic being the Champions League, will you be going into the first round or second round? Um, second and then third, fourth qualifying rounds they're all one-legged and then the playoff round that's two-legged mm-hmm. and is it, so see for uh, Rangers and Europa League I'm sure we go into the second round this time round um, I haven't checked on that but yeah I think one better than last year yeah it wouldn't really make much of a difference if I'm being honest but it's, well of course it's like one less extra game you know Um but oh, yeah, no home field. Uh, sorry, what? Oh, I, I it's there's, uh, I, I know, I know. So, um, we'll okay. move on, and uh, we'll just stay obviously on Rangers right now, and we'll speak about Rangers game from the weekend against Aberdeen, where Rangers won, uh, won. Uh, Rangers won one now, uh, a clean sheet. Matt, what were your thoughts on the performance? And um, I thought it was a very comfortable performance from Rangers, and Aberdeen didn't really pose much of a threat. Yeah, no, I, I would uh, echo what you just said. I think we played quite well, quite comfortable on the ball. Um, Aberdeen didn't really do much. I think not having the fans there um, really helped us because I think going up to Pataudry, you know, it is difficult there, especially with all those fans. But I think that played into our hands and um, not having the fans there. Yeah, it was just a kind of easy, easy day, to be honest. Yeah. Do you know one thing I didn't understand, Matt, was the fact that some Rangers fans were 
quite upset with the performance. I'm like, yeah, why are you upset, right? First game of the season against a, a well-organised Aberdeen side, a team that we've had issues with in the past, and we win the game comfortably, get a clean sheet. Yes, the second half performance wasn't the best, but it was very comfortable, mate. I, like The first half, I thought we played some really good stuff. Like, we were knocking the ball around uh, like really well, and we were playing a really good possession game, and Aberdeen barely got a touch of the ball. So sorry about that, boys. More issues there, and as I, as I was just saying there, I think it's uh, anytime Graham's on, man, it's always carnage. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, Matt. Um, yes, what we're just talking about the the performance of Rangers there, and you were you were happy with it as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was happy with it. And I was. I think I was just saying that um, you know fans kind of expect three four nils. You know every game. You know you're going to get. Um, one nil games where it is just comfortable like that, um. But yeah, we got three points. You know, first game of the season under the belt. That's, that's all you can really ask for. Were you happy with uh, Rangers' game plan? I thought it worked terrifically well. Where we played, obviously, we're just talking about the possession game that we played, but we the, the way we controlled the game, like the way we controlled the ball, like I mean, because Aberdeen's game plan was like right, like set up with ten men behind the ball, but see because. We that like we were countering their game plan. We allowed uh, us to just do our own thing, and then they had to come and press us, and then that that gave us a great opportunity to obviously get that first goal. And that was a beautiful uh, through ball from Alfredo Morelos. And see when Ryan Kemp was clean through, mate. Oh, mate, honestly, like, right when he was clean through, I was like, that's going in. And that was a beautiful finish as well. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. It started from the back with McGregor, and ended up, you know, with. Kent through and go and you know just when he was running through and go he was just so calm and composed you know he just slotted it into the bottom left you know there was no there was no chance he was missing like he just, he just tells he was going to score but I think Harjo got a nice wee touch on like the Morelis with the, with the beautiful assist mm-hmm. um, so it was a great team goal yeah it really was and uh, a big shout out to Liam Balligan I thought he was man of match mate a very solid uh, dominating performance from him at centre half no he was absolutely brilliant I didn't know what to expect when um, when he started the game because I I obviously knew he had he, he done well at Wigan um, the last few weeks um, of the season he's got a good track record you know in Germany and that but I wasn't sure what what to expect you know but he he done well he looked really really comfortable in the ball um, really good defending and one one bit I liked was I think it was from his own half he, he ran with it like um, nearly the full length for the pitch and one is a free kick high up the park um, which I thought was really good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see to see more of him. Uh, Graham, what was your thoughts on Aberdeen, mate? Like, I generally think Aberdeen are a one man team, mate, because everything goes through Sam Cosgrove, and you've seen how much they missed him uh, at the weekend against Rangers. Yeah, certainly you, they, they definitely did miss Cosgrove. I think McInnes just just didn't set the attack up right because you know Bruce Anderson is not the same type of player Cosgrove is. Cosgrove's a big um, kind of cumbersome. Uh, presence in the attack. Bruce Anderson's much, much um, is nowhere near as big as him. And I think, you know, McKinnis set out to press, to press, to press Rangers and they didn't quite succeed. They couldn't, they didn't do well in breaking up Rangers' play. And I thought, to be honest, Rangers didn't really get a third gear. Yeah, because that's what I was saying just there, mate. Like, it was a breeze for us. Like, because that, as you said, like you see, we didn't get it for gear. It was that comfortable for us. Um, but were you like, were you see, were you really disappointed in how Aberdeen set up? Were you expecting a lot more? 
Um, yeah, because you know they've got a good squad. It's not like it's a completely new look Aberdeen team that hasn't played well against Rangers in the past. Uh, I think the players they have, they they they, they try to play with Anderson as if he was Cosgrove, and you know he's just not that player. You know, um, so I think they went about it all wrong because they've got a lot of pace and a lot of talent in that team that they could have targeted the fullbacks and tried to test Balogun. You know, but to no avail, they weren't. They just they couldn't cut it. Do you think McInnes will ever change his ways? I don't, and the way like the way he's going around it, I don't think he will. Because, like as you say, like Anderson can't play the role of Sam Cosgrove, and that was clearly evident against Rangers. And they were just hoofing long balls up to uh, Bruce Anderson, and he had no chance at all whatsoever. He got like zero service, and it just seems like Den McInnes has one game plan, and that's it. Route one football. are too content with a third fourth place finish and a cup semi-final every year and I think uh, you know he's brought Aberdeen a lot of stability because you know you've got to remember you know eight years ago we finished above them in the league so yeah, yeah it's done an absolutely tremendous job to get Aberdeen to be in the comfortable big club that they are but I feel there is a bit of complacency Hey Chris uh, I can imagine you're quite happy that Celtic are not linked with Scott McKenna this uh, summer window Oh, I had a bomb scale Saturday. Yeah, you had an absolute nightmare. Um, see, it's like every window near enough, Chris, right? Celtic seem to get linked with Scott McKenna. And I'm always just like sitting there praying that he's actually do go for him. But I think Celtic have finally seen sense and they're like, nah, we're not touching Scott McKenna with a barge pole. No, definitely not, no. Um, like, so I, think, I remember, I think it was um, a couple of years ago, uh, you just put in a five, six million pound bid for him. Is that right? Yeah, it was about five million, I think. Five million for Scott McKenna, that's mental. Graham, what do you uh, what do you think of Scott McKenna, do you? Uh, you know, earlier on in his Aberdeen career, he could he was a really, really fantastic, fantastic defender. But he's just look, he looks so unsure on the ball, and he's not particularly quick. And I don't think he's really lived up to his potential. I think Aberdeen missed a big chance to massively cash out on him when they could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, like I think it was last season, uh, Matt Scott McKenna actually put in a transfer uh, request and I think it got rejected. Yeah, no, it was, it was last summer, yeah. Um, he, yeah, obviously handed it in and got rejected. But I think at one point, um, Hull were in for him. Aberdeen were expecting to get like 10 million for him, and that's not going to happen. Anything you know, and I have to agree with the boys. I think he's was had potential earlier on in his career, but I think he's just you know not lived up to it at all. He'll probably spend you know the rest of his days just being gang average at Aberdeen. Uh, Graham, so Andy Coyne did it. Andy Constantine got sent off in the second half. A terrible challenge uh, on Scott Arfield. Uh, what was your thoughts on it? For me, when I seen it, straight red. It's like one of those tackles where you like see when your first reaction is like, oh, that's a bad one. Yeah, that was my reaction. See when you get that feeling, that's when you know it's a red card. Um, but what do you think? Do you think it was a red th- fair decision? I mean, yeah, for me, for me, it was a red. He went in with his studs. It was a, you know, it was a studs up and a punching challenge. And I think there can like, be too many complaints about receiving a red for that. Chris, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think you can have any complaints getting in with studs like that. So, quite rightly, it was a red card. Uh, Matt, I can imagine you'll be in agreement with the boys. Yeah, 
no, 100% it was a red card. I think in one of the replays, you can actually see Johnny Hayes in the background, like holding his hands on his head. So I think that, that tells the story there. Aye, mate. I, like, I remember I seen that as well. He was like, right away, oh, oh no, it's a total red, 100%. It was a daft challenge. Like, you cannot get away with that in a modern game. Simple as, man. So uh, we'll move on from that game because there really was not much to discuss um, apart from a very comfortable. Rangers uh, went in perform uh, were in performance. So, um, Matt, we'll talk about Rangers' two latest new signings, uh, Kamar uh, Roof. Um, from what I've seen of this boy, he looks like a really good signing. Done really well at Leeds. And do you think this guy could be a, a potential good replacement for Alfredo Morelos? Yeah, not hundred percent. I think he he was one of Leeds' best players. Um, under Bielsa and you know Leeds fans absolutely rate him highly and they want him to come back and obviously he's came to us and I don't think he'll get as many goals as Morelos but I think he'll suit our style more the way Gerard wants to play because he, he's not afraid to dig in and you know he can play right along the, the front line and he, he likes to link up the play and that so I think he'll be more suited to be able to play but I'd still expect him to you know chip him a few goals but not you know Morelos type numbers Yeah and it's also a, a big bonus mate the fact that he's got big club experience obviously playing at Leeds so obviously coming up here um, it'll be quite a wake up call for him because playing for Rangers and playing for one half of the old firm in the Glasgow bubble is Totally different from playing with Leeds, because um, don't get me wrong, Leeds are ma- Leeds are a massive club, but playing for one half an old farm, it's a totally different kettle of fish. Yeah, no, I think Leeds are a massive club, and I think if he was playing for them, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, he would he would have that knowledge to come into Rangers. Um, but I get where you're coming from. But I think he will, you know, cope with it well. I think he, 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 even though he didn't get massive game time at Anderlecht, I think he was cap- he camped with them. Captained him a few times. She's got elite quality, so hopefully adapt to that that pressure quite well. And what I like about him as well, he's he's two footed, so defenders don't know which foot he's going to shoot on when he wants. So I think that's another big uh, aspect of his game. Yeah, and uh, from what I've seen, as I was just saying there, from what I've seen, what I've read, I think it's a very, very good, very good addition, and I'm happy with it. And also later on in that day, mate, we signed another striker called Cedric Etten. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I was uh, delighted with that one. Like the guy looks like he's a really good goal scorer, and he's young as well, mate. Only twenty three years old. Yeah, no, I think he looks like a great signing. Um, well, if you know the journalists and you know, all the people in Switzerland, you know, Graham Highly, he's maybe like you know the next big thing in Switzerland. You know, um, leading their line for years to come on the international level. Um, and you know, twenty goals. You know, for twenty three old in a league that's you know pretty similar to ours. Um, you know, he cannot complain, and you know I don't know too much about him as of yet. You know, apart from what I've heard from you know um, different you know journalists and you know seen a few goals of him. So I think I think he'll do really well. And he's a big tall boy as well, so I think that will give us another option of how to play. You know, if we need to, what for whatever reason, lump it up or we need that, that presence up front. You know, he can hopefully provide that. So as it stands, Matt, we've got four strikers right now. Um, if Morelos goes, which is very likely. Um, will you be happy with three strikers? Yeah, I think I think um, I'd be very happy. In fact, I think it's four's too much. We can't give them the game time they want. But I think three would be perfect. You know, I think Ruth will probably be the main one with you know Itten and Defoe's kind of the third choice. Um, but you know Defoe's obviously you know we know about Defoe. Can't say enough about him. So I think you know we've got three on paper, three very good strikers. Yeah, I think it will be interesting though that if we end up just keeping Alfredo Morelos 
and we're stuck with four strikers, which is not a, it's not the worst thing in the world, you know. But uh, Morelos, also, as we're saying, it looks like his head is gone right now. So, um, do you think Gerard will still go with him uh, as the number one striker if he stays with us after the transfer window, or do you think he will just rotate it? Yeah, I don't. It's difficult to say because I'm like ninety five percent sure he's gone. You know, spending this money on the players otherwise. But hypothetically, if he was to stay, it would be very interesting. Yeah, I don't know how we'd go about it. Um, I think it. I think it would be a lot more rotation than what Morella should be used to because he's been used to being you know the out and out number one. Um, but I don't think think Gerard wants goals to out the team now rather than just relying on one person. So I think if we were to say, I think. We'd see Morelos get rotated a, lot, rotated a lot more. Yeah. So the last thing on Rangers, um, before I let you go, Matt, um, before this window closes, I would like to see us bring in at least maybe one or two midfielders. Because I feel as though tonight, we, our midfield, even though we're up against a really good side, our midfield really did get exposed. Yeah, I think... I, w- I wouldn't be you know, too disappointed if we didn't buy a midfielder, but maybe one midfielder, maybe that that Zinga, whatever's happening with him, he'll come in. But I think we need another left back. We've only got the man only role, you know, Barisic who can play there. Um, no back up to him. And we've only got Young Patterson. I think ba- uh, Calvin Bassey, is he not a left back? Yeah, he can play left back, but I think he can play centre back as well. So I think he can rotate both. I'd rather like, you know, like an out and out left back. So, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if we do win for, you know, more players. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pleasure as always, Matt. Good to have you back in the podcast. Uh, and uh, take care, big man. Speak to you soon, mate. See you soon, bye. Uh, so, we'll move on for that, boys. Sorry about that. It was a long uh, discussion about Rangers there. Um, but we'll move on. No more Rangers for a wee bit. <laughs> and uh, we'll speak with Celtic. Um, Chris, I can imagine you'll be delighted with uh, Celtic's performance at the weekend there, beating Hamilton very convincingly. Uh, what was your thoughts on the performance? Uh, yeah, it was a fantastic performance. We wasted no time coming out fighting for a goal. Um, two chances in the opening five minutes, both headers from our centre-backs, Julian and Ayer. Um, that shows our vertical advantage. Um, but at the same time, we still were a bit spotted off the mark. Um, Hamilton even had their chances, but a good shot from outside the box. Um, no Vasilis Barkas up big goalkeeper signing and goal yet but Bain still was comfortably able to punch it over the bar um, thought they had another chance here not imagine. but then uh, 20 minutes in uh, it was a brilliant goal Frimpong had brilliant vision to set the goal up um, and brilliant assist from Greg Taylor to Edward to tap it in but it was a well set up goal um, and then minutes well sorry oh sorry mate uh, no but yeah uh, oh you keep going uh, yeah the second goal was near identical but um, yeah it was still a brilliant set up goal from Taylor to Frimpong mm-hmm. I, I was just going to say mate um, J- uh, Julian's own goal um, I was not, it was not a great goal to give away man um, it was would be quite disappointed in that, that like defensively wise, or do you think it was just like a very lucky goal for Hamilton? Uh, there was an element of luck. It deflected twice so on the way through. It deflected off McGregor before it. Julian directed it towards the goal. So um, disappointed to give goals up like that, but they 
do unfortunately happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I have to be, I have to say, mate, I thought Celtic, even though it's against Hamilton, right? No disrespect to Hamilton, but even though it was against Hamilton, Celtic did play some good stuff, and obviously Edward got his hat trick. But there's been some uh, rumours going around about Edward. Um, what do you make of it? Like, do, are you very confident that he will stay? Uh, like. The, the rest of the season or do you think he could go this window because there are some rumblings in the press right now and obviously like that performance will not <laughs> hinder uh, any suitors coming in, come in for him whatsoever so what do you think? Yeah, obviously I really hope he stays at least one more season for us um, obviously Frank McAvenny made out that he didn't look interested in during the pre-season tour of France Um Edward came back and hit, out, hit back at McAvenny for that. Um, obviously, um, I was just reading before coming on tonight that Aston Villa have expressed interest in Edward. Um, and then Celtic remain very much in the hunt for other strikers. We've had some big names linked to Ivan Tony, of course. Um, Albie Najetti, Stephen Fletcher, we were supposed to be approaching him for the deal today, but it didn't materialise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what happened with that deal then? Um, is, how did it not go through? So, like Last I heard about it, um, I, like, I think Terns were agreed or something, and it looked like he was going to sign like a one-year contract. I'm not too sure why it exactly didn't materialise, but... Was you a wanted Fletcher? Um, they've added a bit of experience. Um, I don't think he was really going to come up and compete for a place in the squad every week. Um, I think he's at that stage of his career, he's 33 or whatever he is, um, just wants to let maybe realise himself it's maybe his best chance for a bit of silverware now that he can perhaps afford to take a pay cut out with made his money elsewhere. So. Do you know what I feel like, mate? See, Stephen Fletcher, that it's... I think it's 10 years too late, mate, because remember, you would always get limp with him back in the day, and I'm saying back in the day, like, 10 years ago, <laughs> and now it's just... It's too late now, mate. Like, I, I think, Graham, you you put the chat earlier on. Um, I've not kept tabs with Stephen Fletcher, I'm being totally honest, I, I really haven't, but you put the chat earlier on that um, he had a good campaign uh, last year. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he did quite well at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I think he Goals and I think he would have been quite keen to, to keep him. I think I think he left with his own accord, if I'm correct. Hmm. So where do you where do you think he'll end up? Do you think he'll make a return to Scottish football? Or do you think he'll stay down south? Uh, I'm not not too sure really. Um, because yeah. if if he's going to go to a club in Scotland, it's got to be Celtic. If you you know, so see if he's not back a deal then. If that's from what I've led to be led to believe that if he's not back a deal to go to Celtic, it's very unlikely he's going to come to Scottish football then. So, is I think he'll be, he'll probably finish his career down in the Championship most likely. Yeah, well, last season he scored thirteen goals and two assists in twenty seven games, which is you know, for a thirty year old striker, not a bad return at all. So, uh, I think, I think he definitely is nowhere near the level of Edward, um, but I think. He could add to the team, but I think it would be. I don't think it would be worth Celtic signing him. Chris, what's the latest with Tony? Uh, last I heard was that um, well, Tuesday night was it before Brentford took him to Fulham in the playoff. Um, 
it was supposed to be finalising a move to Brentford, but that might be dead in the water now. And the latest I'm hearing now is that Derby County and Nottingham Forest are also in the running for him. But as far as I know, Celtic still his preferred destination. Yeah, I've seen that too. Um, but we were talking about in the chat earlier on as well. It seems like Lennon's really trying to make Griffiths feel terrible. Because, <laughs> um, like, see if another striker does come in, which is very, very likely, it looks like Griffiths will be fourth-choice striker at this rate. And I think it would be... I've said it, I've said it constantly, right? It's not like a broken record, but it would be best for both parties to go their separate ways. Graham, what do you think about that? Um, I think... I think the relationship between Lennon and Griffiths does seem very fractured, and I think it would maybe be best for Griffiths to, to maybe try and kick on a new club and prove himself again. But, um, I mean, it's hard to say because you don't really know what goes on behind the scenes at clubs. Yeah, like, we spoke about it last week in the pod about Lennon's scathing rant on him. So, and I, Lennon's came out, I think... Uh, shortly after that and he was saying yeah I know I was critical of him blah 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 and then he was trying to like cover up the cracks a wee bit and put a little wee uh, plaster over it but it was a scathing rant and Lennon's a guy like say what you want about him he's very honest Chris and for him to come out in the press and absolutely slaughter one of his own players like that is very telling and it was like the talk of the town in Scottish football um, and there was no excuse for him to turn up to pre-season unfit and and according to Lennon, overweight? No, I know. Obviously, the lockdown, very challenging circumstances for everyone. Um, Obviously, Griffiths has had his issues in the past, so I don't know to what extent that might have played into it, but really should have seen lockdown as an opportunity of sorts to maintain his condition and get in top physical shape. Yeah, because there was no excuse because all the players were given pl- uh, fitness plans, etc. And what he was just too busy making TikToks. It was embarrassing. And there was just, like, honestly, there's no excuse for that. And I know I've said it plenty of times, but he's been given chance after chance. And I think he's just completely ripping the piss out of Celtic at this point. Yeah, the club's bent over backwards for him, giving him every opportunity. Um, and he did come back from it, but I think he's took a major step back again and it might be a bridge too far for the club. No, I agree, yeah. Because he's got the mentality of a 14-year-old, mate. Like, And don't get me wrong, he is a good player. The talent is there, but he's, he is his own worst enemy. Graham, what do you think about that? Do you agree? Um, I mean, it's hard. obviously his demons do have a massive effect on his on his physique and his, and his uh, form so I think it's quite challenging so I'm not I think definitely his own struggles play a part in his form on the pitch but that's why I think it's best for Celtic and obviously Griffiths to like part ways um, and uh, Chris you're kind of like are you, are you on the fence with uh, Griffiths right now or like or do you think are you just like no I'm, I'm done with him or you, or do you think, yeah, give him another chance? I wouldn't say I'm done with him. Um, not really give him another chance. There's definitely still a, a place on the team for him, but I think he's like slipping further and further down. Um, we just need to look at 
the performances of Patrick Klamawa um, in the pre-season and then on Sunday came off the bench and bagged the fifth goal um, and the Savoy doesn't stop pursuing the ball and that was how he got his goal on Sunday so he's definitely got all the attributes you want in a striker and I would definitely have him ahead of Griffiths. Yeah, uh, definitely because there's a lot of competition for places and all the Celtic players turned up in good condition and obviously Griffiths clearly never and uh, he's only got himself to blame uh, that's my personal opinion but we'll move on and uh, Graham we're going to speak about the mighty Saints and uh, and I can imagine mate you'll be delighted with that victory over Livy at the weekend a uh, uh, 1-0 win at home clean sheet you must be delighted I'm absolutely chuffed um, I think we, we played Livy and we really matched them with the game and we better them at it um, it was a pretty the, the game wasn't particularly the best game to watch it was pretty scrappy points probably the least entertaining game of the weekend however I'm absolutely delighted that we managed to to keep a clean sheet and win the three points and I think we've improved massively on a defence that's already very good and I think we should we should have ambitions higher than just avoiding avoiding relegation. However, we really need to add to the attack if we want to, if we want to compete with the, the kind of bigger teams in the league because you know our only goal came from a Richard Tate dive on his header. debut. That's it. Yeah, it was a good goal, mate. Lovely diving header, and it was a great uh, ball into the box from uh, McGrath. Is that how you say his name? Jamie McGrath. Yeah. McGrath. Yeah. That was a fantastic goal. Really well. Really well executed cross, and you know it was a quite an audacious finish from Tate. You'd expect most players to volley that, but obviously stuck the head on it. Cla- classic defender's instinct. Yeah, it was a it was yeah, a lovely finish. Happened. Yeah, I'm delighted with the performance. I think Livingston uh, just didn't didn't show up for a lot of the game. I think. Lyndon Dykes was quite well dealt with by Joe Shaughnessy, who had a great debut. I think Alan Forrest was our best outlet. He came close with a few chances. Um, Jack Anik, who was signed the keeper, he was he did well to to, to keep the goals to keep the goals out so much so that I think I'm confident with him in goals for the season now. Yeah, see if I'm being honest, mate. Um, I've only seen the highlights, right? But. Just judging by the stats and the highlights that I've seen, Livy looked like they actually played pretty decent, mate. And the only thing that really let them down was their finishing on the day. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, Livy weren't bad by any stretch, any stretch of the imagination. They did lack that kind of killer instinct. Um, I think we did at points too, and we did well to get the goal. But, um, I think overall, we we were value for the victory, but. Um, I mean, I don't think Livingston will have any worries this season. I don't think it's a concerning performance. I think, you know, first game of the season, anything can happen. Um, going back to the point you just made about, uh, uh, like, strikers, Obika, um, he looked quite lively against Livy, but I do feel as though, mate, like, as you were saying, I agree with what you're saying, you need to get another striker in because, like, it, like uh, yeah, he can play the, the lone striker well. Uh, the lone striker roll well but you need to get another striker in because I think if uh, like just having him as that sole guy up top there it might put too much pressure on him do you think? I don't know if it's too much pressure I think it's just 
don't know about that. I mean, Obika was absolutely fantastic. I think he held up the play really well, but he didn't have much of an outlet. And I think Junior Marais, who missed a very clear defence chance, um, like an absolute sitter in the middle of the game, was quite concerning um, overall. I think Obika is a, is a good player. I think he needs an outlet that he can that he can play play off because he's a great target man. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously a potential penalty uh, and handball for Livy. Um, and obviously that involved uh, your man Richard Tate. What do you think? You know, that was a penalty. I know you'll have uh, the black and white uh, specs on here, <laughs> but what do you think? Well, I think it's a penalty. I think it's a penalty. Um, I think Honestly, the footage was quite wasn't wasn't the best, um, so for me it was hard to tell. Uh, what do you think, Christian? It was a penalty for uh, Livy. For me, I thought it, uh, it was a hard one, but I've seen them given before, and I would probably say it was. Um, yeah, you've seen them ones given, others you haven't. Um, I suppose it's just down to what ref you get on the day. Yeah, I th- I thought St Mirren got away with that one, uh, Graham, if I'm being honest. Um, and uh, I think Livy, I don't think they've got much to worry about this season, mate. Um, they, see that if they can keep a hold of Dykes, they'll be absolutely fine. I think they will get top six if they keep a hold of Dykes. Well, do you think, Chris, do you think, Livy, if they keep a hold of Dykes, they can get top six? Not comfortably, but do you think they can at least get it? Yeah, if they can manage to hold on to their main man, I can see, don't see why they can't challenge to... I think there's a few teams kind of about that same sort of level pushing for the top six, the same as them, but I feel that if they can hold on to Dykes, then definitely they can at least edge in and no more. Yeah, because the job that Gary Holt's done there has been tremendous. Because when, I think we all remember when Livy first got promoted, everyone thought, right, you know what, they're going to go down straight away. Because I remember they appointed Kenny Miller, then Miller, for whatever reason, got sacked or resigned, don't know. And then he went to, I think it was Dundee. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, they appointed Gary Holt. And it's worked out ever since. Uh, um, so yeah if they keep Gary Holt yeah I definitely think they can get top 6 and what you said uh, just at the start of the Sitmarin segment uh, Graham which I find quite interesting that this season you, you feel quietly confident that you could be pushing for top 6 not about top 6 but I certainly think we'll be in the kind of And so, before the window shuts, Graham, what other signings would you like to see Sipirin get? Like, what areas do you want to strengthen in? I know you said another striker. Any other areas? I think we need some creativity. Someone that can, someone that will kick some chances. I think McGrath 
Julie Prest, and I think from January to the end of the season, he wasn't particularly great, but I did. So, Dundee United's first game back in the top flight after about four years. They drew one each with St Johnston. Um, Chris, what was your thoughts on uh, Dundee United's performance? Do you, to be fair, I thought Dundee United done okay, um, but I think they'll be annoyed at themselves considering the fact that they pretty much dominate the game and St Johnston got a man sent off and they managed to get an equaliser uh, maybe through the second half. What was your thoughts? It was an okay performance. Um, they can probably be a bit disappointed they weren't able to take advantage of St Johnson going down to 10 men and not being able to get that second goal for the win. Um, the penalty, it was a definite penalty. His arm was up. You can't do that in the penalty area and expect to get away with it. Um, then O'Halloran, he, for St Johnson, it was definitely towing the line. He got for quite a bad challenge um, and then he had a couple of other incidents before eventually the referee decided he'd had enough and that he had to go um, they had the second, a chance in the second half with Shanklin hitting over um, the goal was a really bad clearance by Conley and Liam Craig was able to capitalise yeah, I agree. Like, see that? Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, mate. But see that? Uh, oh my god, that was schoolboy stuff. Honestly, God, from see from Connolly, like, why do you not just put it out for a corner? Why was it? It was. See if I'm being honest, mate. But I'm looking at it. That is some assist from Connolly, and then uh, I do not have a clue what he was thinking there. And you can see his reaction after that. He was fuming, quite rightly so, because he basically just cost his team a point. But taking nothing yeah, away from Liam Craig's finish, it was uh, what a finish. I think that was goal of the weekend. No, in fact, that was Chris Butt's goal was goal of the weekend. But Liam Craig's tremendous. Yeah, I think Connolly's got to learn the hard way that, um, and at this level of football, that you can't make bad mistakes like that and expect not to be punished for them. So, no, exactly. Um, Graham, do you think uh, Dundee United will be kicking themselves that they didn't beat St Johnson because they they were the better team in the day? Uh, I think they definitely did miss a few good chances. I think Jamie Robson had a really good one uh, at a cute angle. Uh, the keeper managed to stop it. But, uh, you know, first game by in the Premiership after four years, you can't be can't be too disappointed with Drummond St. Johnson. I think in the balance of play, you know, you definitely should have won, but definitely wasn't the worst performance I've seen. Um, St. Johnson, though, how do you think they played... Uh, do you think they, they set up the way a Tommy Wright side would set up or do you th- do you feel as though Callum Davidson done, done something different or what, what's your thoughts? I mean, from the highlights that I saw, I didn't, didn't see too many dissimilarities. I think they set up quite well. They were quite robust, hard to break down. And, uh, they took their chance when they had it. I mean, really well taken chance. I thought Wallerspin, who's traditionally a winger, isn't he? He was really good up front. Really lively, create a lot of chances. I think uh, there's a lot of positives, positives to take for that from St Johnson, especially getting that result with ten men. Um, but you know, I think they'll they'll have a they'll have a decent season as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I even said it to you before, um, and I've said it on the pod that Callum Davidson. I think that's a very sound appointment because he worked under Tommy Wright for a while, so I think he'll have a lot of 
the of the same philosophy and ideas as Wright did. So yeah, I think it was a very smart appointment and that performance and result against Dundee United at Tannadice with ten men, they'll be chuffed to bits with that. They will be. Um but Dundee United though obviously the star man is uh, Shankland. Um Graham, are you confident that Dundee United can keep him this season? This season you I think he'll be here this season. And then if he has a good season he'll probably probably be shipped off, but I don't I can't see him leaving. Uh, no. What about you, uh, what about you uh, Chris? Do you think Shankland could be off? If, if he goes, that'll be a big, big blow for Dundee United. Um, if he has a good season um, and then someone makes a move for him, then it definitely would be missed. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Mikey Mellon, uh, boys, what do you make of this appointment? I, I don't think we've actually properly discussed it um, because when we've done a season review... Mikey Mellon wasn't appointed I think Dundee United were still looking for a manager and that's when we were discussing about Malcolm McKay and Craig Levine getting linked with the job and um, I'll come to you Graham first what do you make of Mikey Mellon it was a very random appointment but when you look at CV CV's no bad he's got a few promotions yeah it was like a couple in the conference and I think he's got a couple League 2 promotions um, but what do you make of it uh, he's Scottish I know that um, and I imagine he has a, some sort of uh, Good, well, at least a good uh, knowledge of Scottish football but what do you make of that appointment? Well he's clearly got a pretty pretty good track record he's done very well down south uh, and I think it's clear that he's a very talented manager and to at least a decent extent so I'm very interested to see how do we do the United I think he'll be successful with him because it looks like you know he's got he's got a lot going from as a manager uh, Chris, what about you? Do you think uh, the appointment of uh, Mikey Mellon is a, a, a strange one? And how do you think he'll do? Yeah, it was a, one that was a bit out of left field, but um, if the weekend's out and go by, he's definitely got something to build on. Just need to learn from the, the mistakes that they made. Yeah, definitely. So we'll move on and we'll speak about uh, Hibs. Very good victory for Hibs at the weekend, Graham. Um, they are a good side, so they are. And yeah, they'll be very happy at 2 1 1 against Kilmarnock. And they played some decent stuff, and Martin Boyle was a star man. Uh, he, was, he was absolutely excellent, Martin Boyle. His, some of his movement was fantastic, absolutely electric. You know, his first goal, where you know he's holding off the line, man just taking a stop his run, and then big goal and score. It was an excellent piece of, a, of attacking ability. I think he was really the the main difference. Yeah, I thought he was really tremendous for Hibs, and I think he could he could go on to have a really good season. Um, Chris, I don't know if you seen what Chris Common said uh, the other day. He said that Rangers and Celtic should take a punt on Martin Boyle. Would you want Martin Boyle at Celtic? Um, would definitely be able to come in and fight for a place in the team. Um. I did like what I've seen up from him at the weekend, so it'd be very interesting if one is did make a play for him. Mm. Yeah, it would. As I seen that, uh, Graham, that Chris Collins is like Rangers and Celtic should put in a two hundred fifty k bid for him, and I'm like, well, see two hundred fifty k for someone like Martin Boyle. It's not a bad uh, move, you know, and I do think he's a good player. But what do you think? Do you think Rangers and Celtic should uh, should take a punt on him? 
he's out of contract at the end of the season, so if it's a good season, I could definitely see I don't know if I'm team picking him up, but you look at there's a lot of talented players kind of languishing at, uh, at the old teams. I think it was Paul Slane himself who said, you know, Greg Stewart can't get a game, John Jones can't get a game at Rangers, and they're they're talented winners, you know, and Martin Butt was probably their level. So. Yeah, did you just say Paul Slane made a decent point about football? Yeah, he did, he did. <laughs> mate, I, honest to God, man, I can't go him at all, mate. Like, see, anytime I watch open goal and I see his, like, face in the thumbnail, I can't watch it. I genuinely cannot watch it. I think, <laughs> I just, oh, I don't know, mate. I think he just kills the show for me. He's too cringe, mate. He's too cringe, man. Oh, he's, oh I think he's brilliant. Mate, he's Jake Paul. He's worse than Jake Paul, mate. <laughs> can't, I don't know if you can compare it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be controversial. But yeah, I just can't go on. But yeah, no. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of good players at the old firm teams who aren't getting opportunity, you know. And Jordan Jones is one. Um, I don't know what's going to be happening to him. Uh, he could be off. I don't know. Gerrard's... I don't think he's... Gerrard's in the best uh, moods with him, you know. But, yeah, Martin Boyle, he, I wouldn't mind taking a punt on him. But it has to be said, Scott Allen had another great performance for Hibs. And he's really set... Oh, I know, that pass, mate. That pass, man. I, I don't think I ever beat that one at Ibrox, but in, oh mate, at 20, in 2019, mate, I'm nothing I thought that one, man. No, especially when they made the, the DVD and then the 10 part Netflix series about it. Oh, I know. Michael Stewart is like speaking so passionately about it, man. <laughs> and just talking about where, you're talking about where, where he was at what time when he found out and seen that pass, mate. It was like, where were you when that pass happened? <laughs> God, it really was a where were you moment. Oh, 100%. And then you look at the score, like one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Kamarnock, though, Chris Buck, what a goal that was, mate. Like, he's still cutting about, Graham, he's still cutting about, he's still doing his thing. And he's been a great signing for Kamarnock. And, and obviously, he's going to finish his career there. So, yeah, he's still, it looks like he's, like he's got better as he's got older. I mean, yeah, they played really well against Hibs um, from what I saw the game. Uh, obviously, that goal was just magnificent. Just watching it, the way it was in the top corner was beautiful. Um, but certainly still got a lot to add at the age of, what, 35, 34? Yeah, exactly. Still an asset yes. for Kilmarnock. Um But how do you think Kelly played on the day? I think they did well and they, they had good spells. They controlled the possession quite a lot. Um, but overall, I mean, had a pile over the goalkeepers and then I just don't think they quite matched Hibs in terms of quality on the day No, they never know um, Obviously um, it was, it, what, it was, I wouldn't say Kelly played badly not, not at all and I thought Kelly put in a decent shift and as you were just saying there um, he had some good phases of play but yeah, there's, I don't think there's, there, there's too much for Kilmarnock to be uh, concerned by you know uh, and it was a fairly even game um, but yeah, I think Kamarak will be fine under Dyer this season. What do you think, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think they'll um, be sort of hovering about mid-table, like the top half of the bottom six, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they'll be in contention for top six. Relegation, nah, not a chance, man. That they've got a good. Good wee team there, I think, Kilmarnock. Um, and Kurt Broadfoot, Graham, your, your favourite, was playing centre-half. Um, 
Uh, what was your thoughts on his performance? You need to, you need to get your analysis on this. My, th- my thoughts on his performance. Um, he can fuck off. <laughs> it was a, did you not think it was excellent? Aye. <laughs> there's, 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 there's always an egg pun. And somewhere, there's always a nice wee yolk you can tell about him. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous, man. I love it. Uh, but yeah, um, Hibs have still got the Scottish Cup semi final to play. Um, it, things are looking. Uh, it's exciting uh, for Hibs fans uh, under Jack Ross and uh, yeah they've got the right man there and I, I've, I've said it in the last two podcasts I think Hibs will get third this season uh, I'll be surprised if they don't because they've got a good team there and they play some good stuff under Jack Ross and uh, Jack Ross is a guy to really get the true potential out of that squad so we'll move on to the last game of the weekend and that was Motherwell versus Ross County and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it, boys. Uh, D- uh, David De Gea was actually watching this game. <laughs> Unbelievable! Uh, D- David De Gea actually tweeted out a picture of Stuart Kettlewell saying, basically saying, he, "Well, he's my spitting image. He's my twin." <laughs> uh, it went up, blew up. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I just I can't. Can you picture the? David De Gea, Graham, just sitting in his hotel room or sitting in his gaff. I'm oh, sorry, he wouldn't be sitting in his gaff because I think Man United are obviously playing tonight. But just him sitting in the hotel, in his hotel room, eating Doritos or something, watching Ross County versus Motherwell on a Monday night. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know. And they, they, they slate the Scottish game when some of the best in the world are, you know, keenly, keenly observing it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'll come to you, Chris. What did you make of... Uh, Ross County, I thought Ross County, well organised, solid, combative, and they were quite a thorn in Motherwell's side, I thought. Yeah, it was Motherwell were third last season. Um, if you were watching it, you'd be mistaken for thinking that it was actually Ross County. It was third. Um, all the action was at the Motherwell end um, early on in the game. Trevor Carson, who'd been away from football for almost two years, um, he was the one that was forced to keep County from scoring. He turned one effort, a terrific effort, onto the underside of the crossbar from Carson. No, sure, sorry. Um, and then the penalty, it was a penalty that County got the goal for. Um, oh, Stonewaller. I Yeah. Definitely, absolute penalty. Um, yeah. Can't be making those kind of fouls um, and deserve booking. Um, and Shirt, who was denied by Carson, got his goal. Yeah, it was a bullet a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was an absolute bullet a penalty. Um, but it just touching on Motherwell, see Motherwell, uh, they showed flashes of quality at times, but they I don't know, they just they were a bit sloppy. They, they did not have a good game at all. I think towards the end of the second half, that's when they started to come alive, but it was not their night whatsoever. And they obviously got a penalty as well, Graham. And do you think that was... Uh, do you think their penalty was uh, justified? Um, well, I didn't actually see the game. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, th- you said that to me, you didn't actually see it. But yes, come to you, Chris. Not a true professional, Graham. <laughs> uh, I'm only kidding, mate. I'm so, Chris, what do you think? Do you think uh, Motherwell's penalty was a penalty? 
Um, well, there was a push and pull on the shots, so I don't think you can get away with playing like that um, in the box and expect to get away with it. So I can see, definitely see why it was given. Yeah, I thought it was uh, the right call. And up stepped Donnelly. And it was a horrendous penalty miss. Absolutely shocking. Yeah, keeper went the wrong way and everything. Um, and it just went completely wide. I feel like the way he missed it, it just completely summed up Motherwell's night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Motherwell were just... Had an absolute shocker, and then it got worse. Callum Lang made his debut, goes in for a, a daft challenge. He had no attempt to get the ball, and that's not a good first impression, is it? No, far from it. No, it was it was really poor. Um, so, here, like obviously, you just heard our thoughts, Graham, on uh, how poor Motherwell were on the night. They were just like a shell of their former selves from last campaign. Yeah, um, I can't see them um, being poor this season. I think they'll, I think they'll, they'll have a decent season. Um, but I think they were lacking. I mean, if I'm right, I think they were lacking a bit of a bit of a finisher. No, like see the thing. So see Chris Long, right? Uh, Chris will back me up on this. Chris Long, I rate him as a, he is a very decent striker, but he was getting no service whatsoever. Like he was only Motherwell player that was actually working tremendously hard, and he was snatching. Uh, like snatching at balls and he was just getting no real clear cut service and I felt sorry for him Chris if I'm being honest I felt sorry for Chris Long Chris <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could definitely tell he was digging deep trying to get something from it um, but no yeah he was just yeah he was just snatching at chances and he, in the first half he uh, actually hit the post as well so yeah, it was a very frustrating night for Motherwell, um, but I, I don't think they'll be in any trouble this season. They're, they're a good side, but see, um, that David Tumble, that was his, his first start uh, in a long time, actually, I think, because obviously he had a really bad injury. Um, it's I'm not going to be too critical of him because he just came back from a very bad injury, but he wasn't up to much. Uh, out in the wide areas, uh, Jake Hastie, and I feel sorry for Jake Hastie as well, like, he like like he wasn't getting a whole lot of service down his uh, right hand side, but like that's what I'm saying, man. Motherwell were just really sloppy in the ball, really, just they were really poor. They were they were really poor, and it was hard to watch them at times. Um, but I think they'll react and bounce back. Um, and obviously they've got Europe to look forward to as well. Um, but full credit to Ross County. Stuart led the line tremendously well. He was really good on the night. He was a, a real nuisance for the Motherwell defence. So full credit to Ross County. So, boys, before we wrap up, we're going to preview this weekend's fixtures. Uh, we're just getting them up. Uh, but in fact, before I get uh, all the fixtures up, I may as well talk about the big one this weekend. Rangers versus the Mighty Saints game. It's going to be a cracker. Um, how do you feel about it? Well, you know, quietly confident that we'll that we'll have a good performance. I think you'll see you'll see you'll find it hard to break us down. I think it'll be a it'll be a very slow slow, arduous game I think for Rangers trying to break us down. And I, I honestly I'm I think I'm we're we're riding on a bit of a high right now. So I could see us getting a point but I think there's more chance that Rangers will, will nick it like quite comfortably. Like maybe one 
Um, I'm going to say 2-0, mate. Um, the reason being, because we know how users are set up, where users are going to be like tough to break down, and <clears throat> we can't play that real control possession game because that will play right into your hands. So I think, because against Aberdeen, our tempo was very low. So going into this game, I think we need to up the tempo, play that attacking fluid style of play that we did uh, last season against, uh, no disrespect, like smaller teams. Um so we need to we just can't play right into your hands we need to play with that fast tempo and yeah like and get the game over as quick as we can because we don't want another slog um, that we had against you uh, last season uh, at Ibrox and uh, <laughs> at uh, your stadium where Barrett we had to get a, like Barisic to step up and score a world of a free kick so yeah I'm going to go for a 2-0 and I think Gerard will want a, a a good response, a good performance uh, this Sunday and going forward, domestic, domestically it is the most important thing and uh, there's no excuses for us not winning the title this season. So yeah, going to go 2-0 Rangers. Uh, Chris, what's your thoughts? I'll go 2-1 Rangers. Um, so St Johnson versus Aberdeen. Chris, uh, Chris, what's your prediction? It's at uh, um, Down the Park. Well, we'll see how it goes with um, the COVID-19 outbreak in Aberdeen. Um, a few Aberdeen players have tested positive and I think eight are in self-isolation, so it's a question if the game goes ahead or not. That's right. I completely forgot to bring that up. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not looking good, Graham, for Aberdeen, is it? Uh, as what, uh, Chris just uh, gave us that news there. Um, I think it's going to be very unlikely if the game actually goes ahead. Well, as it stands, I think the game is still set to go ahead. Um, so, if that's the case, then, I mean, Aberdeen can end up fielding boys, you know? And also, as well, mate, it's on Sky. So, if it doesn't go ahead, they're going to lose out on that TV money, most likely. Yeah, there'll be a lot of pressure for this game to to, to, to go ahead. 100%. So, so, as it stands, we know it's... Well, as it stands... It, we know it's going ahead so prediction um, if Aberdeen need to feel boys and then I'm going to go for a St Johnson 1-0 win what about you? I'd agree with that mm. if, the, if the game goes ahead I think St Johnson will win yep I agree uh, Lovey versus Hibs at the Tony Macaroni Stadium okay. a horrible stadium to go to <laughs> only in the pitch oh, I'm not talking about I'm just talking about the pitch <laughs> Aye, it's, it is tough because you need, you, need, you really play them at their own game when you, when you go there because it's a tough surface and it's, it's a tough ground to play at. Um, I think Hibs, Hibs will, will win but not too comfortably. I think it'll be a tough game. I think Hibs will edge it. I'm going to go for a, yeah, I think Hibs will edge it. Going to go for a 1-0 Hibs. I'll go for a 2-1 Hibs. Chris? 2-1 Hibs as well. Uh, Motherwell versus Dundee United for Park. I actually think that um, Dundee United have something to build on from last weekend, um, and well, their shocker from County will continue. Um, and I'm going one 0 Dundee United. Graham, um, I think Motherwell are clearly the better side than Dundee United, but uh, that defeat could have them. Yeah, I think Motherwell. Will, I think Motherwell will win this, or it'll be a score draw. I'm gonna go for a 
you know what? I'm gonna. I think uh, Stephen Robinson wants to see a reaction from his uh, Mullerwell players, and I'm gonna go for a Mullerwell two one one. And last but not least, Kilmarnock versus Celtic. Chris, Rugby Park, always a tough place to go. What's your prediction? Yeah, um, obviously, um, Kilmarnock um, got outclassed by Hibs. Um, I think, no disrespect to Hibs, but we are a far classier side than Hibs, and I'm going to go 3 0 to Celtic. Oof, 3 0. I'm going to go for a 2 0 Celtic. Graham? I'm thinking 3-0 or 4-1. It's going to be a pretty big trouncer, I think. So, boys, that was the first podcast of the, the season, obviously just rounding up all the weekend's fixtures. Got through it. It was good. Pleasure as always. And we'll see you next time. So, until next time, guys, take care and we'll see you soon.